thank you to everyone that has tuned in thus far and has helped make 52 Weeks of Hustle such a success. I've had such a great time sitting down with industry leaders. Thank you to the leaders and for all the listeners and your continued support. I'm excited to have joined General Sports Worldwide, where Lou DePauli and I will be focusing on executive search and team consulting. Our services will range from recruiting, onboarding, training, development, business planning, consulting, and much more. We're really looking to be a full service agency for our clients to assist them in their return on investment and return on energy. Please let me know if you have any interest. In addition, thank you for everyone that has supported the book, Hustle Your Way to Success in Sports Sales, a playbook to be an elite in the sports business industry. It's available on Amazon in ebook, paperback, and audio versions. Be sure to check out 52weeksofhustle.com, as well as to follow on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle. I'm Travis Apple, and I'll be your host of this podcast. I've been fortunate to spend my entire career in the sports sales industry, and I wanted the opportunity to give back, to give back to those individuals that want to get in this business, or for those that are in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. Each week, I'm going to have the opportunity to sit down with industry professionals to talk about their career growth, what it takes to be successful, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your everyday. Without further ado, our guest this week. Focusing on people is always key in this industry, whether that be the people you work for, alongside, or the people that you hire and develop. Our next guest has made a career out of focusing on people, and I'm excited for his story. Our next guest, Spencer Ambrosius, Vice President of Ticket Sales and Service for the Detroit Red Wings. Spencer, welcome to the show. Thanks, Travis. Honored to be your 132nd guest. (laughs) Spencer, excited to have you. Very excited for our conversation. And let's kick it off. Why is working for, with, and alongside people the key in this industry? Yeah, Travis, I learned early on that surrounding yourself with good people is the most important way you can invest in your career. So from a leadership perspective, people that'll train you, develop you, motivate you, help you get to where you want to go. Um, also from a peer perspective and people that'll push you, encourage you, promote healthy competition. Um, those are far more important than really any other factors. Absolutely. And staying on the theme of people, we have a lot of similarities in our network. And one of those was the first ever guest on 52 Weeks of Hustle, Corey Breton. And so what do you feel like you learned from him and others on just the overall value of people? Corey is one of the most impressive people I've ever worked with. Um, the way he can turn it on when he's in the office, he becomes the most buttoned up professional that holds himself accountable and challenges the people around him to to be the best they can be. Um, it really wasn't until I worked under him for several years that I, that I finally realized he does have a personal life outside of the office. Um, because the preparation he brings to every meeting, his ability to, to lead from the front um, ask a lot from everybody, but he, he never asks anyone to do something that he isn't willing to do himself. Um, he, he's a, I call it a, a top five foxhole guy in the industry. And really, that's the type of person I want to work with. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and we certainly could talk for a while about Corey and the influence he had on his career, but I know he's going to listen and his head's probably already big enough. So we'll, uh, we'll avoid that. But yes, Corey, does a, that, that's fine. Yeah, Corey does a tremendous job with that. And so as the value of people started early on in your career, you know, you grow up in, in Traverse City, Michigan. And so what did you think you wanted to do when growing up for your career? I don't know. I, I was entrenched in 
playing sports. Uh, I never thought of it as a career path. Uh, my mother was a CPA. I knew I didn't want to do that. Uh, my dad was in sales. Also didn't think I wanted to do that. Um, one thing was for sure, I worked on a cherry farm in Traverse City. I, I definitely didn't want to do any kind of manual labor. Um, but I, w- I was really drawn to a few key people growing up that inspired me. Had some great coaches, coaches who pushed me to be better. Um, and that sparked some inspiration to understand more about leadership um, and, and how some people have an ability to, to make you want to run through a brick wall. And I, I didn't know how that connected uh, with a potential career path at the time. But looking back, it certainly played a key role. You know, and Spencer, in high school, you're just a, a great athlete. You end up going to play football collegially at Salve Regina University in Rhode Island. And so what were some key learnings from that experience of playing at the collegiate level that you still apply to your every day? I'm going to correct you. I don't think great athlete is, is the best description. Should I say a stud athlete? <laughs> no, look, I, I played quarterback, but I, I was never the best athlete on the field. Usually the slowest, skinniest, probably not the best arm in the huddle even. Um, <laughs> but I, I did have the ability to, to put people in the best position to be successful. And you think about the key lessons you learn from it, really any kind of competitive sport, the work ethic, the coachability, the teamwork, overcoming adversity and, and leadership in general. You know, I, I have yet to find a situation as daunting in my career as fourth and long with the game on the line and 11 people on the other team that want to tackle you yep. um, with a bunch of people watching right? It really makes your average sales meeting seem a, a lot easier. So yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot of things that, um, that you can't learn in the classroom that, um, that sports in general can teach you. Absolutely. Well, you go on to receive a degree in marketing and sports management. And this is where I, you know, I've always been impressed by you, but this is certainly you know, early on an impressive factor that you had. And throughout college, you received not just one or two, but several internships with the Chamber of Commerce, the Hotel Viking, you interned at the university and then at the Newport Gauls, which is a summer collegiate baseball team. And so first, what's your advice to listeners out there in the college space and the value of just always going above and beyond? Uh, This is a good point that I always discuss when college students ask for advice. When I'm looking at an applicant's experience, I care less about specific relative experience to to what they're going to be doing in this role. I just want to see that you're doing something and that you're, you're doing things in general, even if you know what you want to do after you graduate, this is your opportunity to to try out internships and other specialties, um, open your eyes to all opportunities or or at a minimum confirm that you're choosing the best path for you. That's really the only way to get as much exposure as you can before you, you jump into your career. You know, and let's be realistic when you're, you're 18 to 22, there's no chance, you know, what you want to do long-term. And, you know, sometimes when you're 22, 32 and 42 as well, like, and, and I, I agree. And I think, you know, we always preach in this business going above and beyond and like, don't just get that one internship or don't just get that one job shadow because it's required, like truly challenge and push yourself to, to be the best. And so Spencer, one of the most challenging things in this business is time management, but you clearly had a lot uh, of going, you were going to school you're playing football, you're having internships, you're working. So what is your advice to listeners on the balance and and how to balance your personal and professional life to be successful? Yeah, we all know that the average college student has a lot of free time. 
and what, how you choose to spend that time is, is going to help you out in the long run, or it could hurt you. Right. You know, most students, they have what, two to three classes per day. Yeah. So and once you get you your doing? junior, senior year, it's even less, yeah, even less than that. So what are you doing with the rest of your downtime? Like, right. Like college is about preparing you for the real world. And that goes much deeper than just your classes. Like you're, you're going to have to learn how to balance priorities and have discipline with your free time. So go work at a restaurant, try different internships, play a sport while all while maintaining your coursework. You know, that's a successful college experience because once you enter the real world, you're going to be working at least 40 hours a week. And, and I'll never forget that. Like that that's, first, a, that's a first part-time job, right? <laughs> exactly. But the first challenge you face is that mental fatigue from needing to be on at all times, yep. like 8 a.m. And then you, you can shut out for lunch a little bit, but then you're, you're back until 5 p.m. at least. And then you go home and you crash and you, you do it all over again the next day. And then once you start to figure that out, Right. That next challenge is typically staying active. Like, when do you work out when you're stuck at a desk all day? Right. right? We talk about the freshman 15 and in the office. It's you just got to rearrange your priorities and then, you know, slowly start figuring that out. But, you know, what about your personal life? Do you want a spouse and kids someday? Like, how does that fit in? Like, then how do you balance all of that and stay hungry, dedicated to growing your career? I think the, the one way to prepare for that is, is, you know, start practicing in college, play a sport, get a job, find internships, all while keeping your grades up and it'll make things a lot easier. No, absolutely. You've done a tremendous job. And as, as it came to the end of college, it was time to embark on that career journey. And, you know, similar career paths as myself. I started in Atlanta. That's how we got to know Corey. We unfortunately didn't cross paths. But, you know, you, that first experience for you came from the Atlanta Hawks. You started out as an entry level ticket sales rep. You immediately had success, worked your way up to new sales and in your two and a half years with the organization. And so what do you feel like looking back to that time you did early on in your career to really help separate yourself? Well, I, I think, you know, first and foremost, we touched on it earlier. I was surrounded by great people uh, that are dedicated to helping me grow, both leaders and peers, the Corey Breton and Eric Platt taking me under their wing. But there was also the John Adlers, the Chris Wedigies, a bunch of other people that, you know, we had a really good group coming in that, that rallied around each other and pushed each other. Um, I didn't have any sales experience. I wasn't very familiar with professional settings in general. Um, to me, I, I was probably a little more intense mentally than, than how most, most people approach it. I, I pretty much attacked inside sales the same way I, I walked into football camp my freshman year at college. It's like, okay, there's seven quarterbacks on the roster. You know, only one's going to play. Like, so what do you do? Like, at a minimum, listen to your coaches and right. work your butt off, um, yeah. but seek additional help. Like there's a little bit of playing, like you got to go over and beyond. So um, I was constantly asking for more, made sure I was the, not just the first one in last one out, but my boss said I should be making a hundred calls a day. I wanted to put up 150. Like, I don't want there to be any question about my dedication to this. And, you know, that's just kind of maintained throughout the career. Um, in terms of setting yourself apart, it's, it's, you know, it's not rocket science. And you and I have both seen that time and time again with really successful people in this industry going above and beyond you having that passion, that work ethic, where if you're expected to make hundred calls, are you the one making 75, hundred or 150? If you're expected to set 10 meetings, is it five, 10 or 20? And then you being open to learning, 
you know, our business is evolving. And, you know, we talk and the, the constant theme of this podcast is about people because it's so important to both of us. And Spencer, we both start out our careers in Atlanta and under a lot of that same leadership team that you just mentioned. And I've certainly talked a ton about my experience in my career, you know, from that to my time in Atlanta. And what do you feel like the Hawks organization and those people did so well to help grow and develop people? Yeah, it was a full immersive investment. It, it was incredible training program. Right, right off the bat, the, the first two weeks, I learned more in those first two weeks, probably than any two weeks combined in my entire career. Yep. And, and then after that, it's, it's continuous development and investing in their people. You know, these are the things I've taken with me everywhere I've gone. And, and the training program we run here at the Red Wings is very similar to the, the one I went through 10 years ago. You know, I think someone else way before me put through all the trial and error to come up with, with the programming. Yep. Um, but there's a, there's a bunch of teams that are very invested in helping their people grow. Yep, absolutely. And you know, so after climbing the ladder there in Atlanta, you received the opportunity for your first leadership gig with the Cleveland Cavs as the manager inside sales. And so why ultimately, you know, you, you talked about being, you know, a quarterback and you like to lead kind of the team and lead the others around you, but why leadership in your career path? Yeah, I, that obviously came naturally to me through, through the, the quarterback days, but um, the biggest indication for me is when I started helping out other reps with their sales appointments yep. and I, I would get more gratification out of helping them find success in, in my own sales. And, and that to me is when it clicked that like I, I knew I was supposed to be helping others and, and dedicate myself to that. So that, that's kind of why I wanted to get into it. And then I had some really good mentors that, that helped me, helped me get there. Yeah, no, absolutely. And as, as you think back at your time in Cleveland, your first leadership gig, you're not that far removed from college. You don't have a ton of, ton of sales experience. And so first leadership gigs are always a challenge, but what were some key learnings early on in leadership that you really wish you would have known back then that, that you certainly learned and evolved to now? <laughs> the first thing I learned pretty quickly is, is that not everyone thinks like me and you know, the things that motivated me uh, don't, apply to everyone else like you have to find a way to connect with each individual figure out their why hire the right people is a big part of it as well but the other piece is that time management like everybody thinks they're busy and i remember and i'm sure you remember you know your version of version of busy as a seller if you have three appointments um you know you probably go in the office thinking okay i have a busy day today like i still have to get in my 100 plus calls and set my three appointments and follow up with a bunch of people man i'm gonna be busy right then you become an inside sales manager and all of a sudden you're responsible for 16 schedules i was gonna say and there's 27 appointments that day yeah and and you're you're not gonna get to all of it and so you have to quickly um learn how to prioritize and, and delegate some things because you're just not going to get to it all. So you want to make sure the things you don't get to are less important than, than the things that you're spending your time with every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Spencer Ambrosius, Vice President of Ticket Sales and Service for the Detroit Red Wings. And Spencer, you spend a year in Cleveland. You get the opportunity to once again work with Corey as you move out to L.A. to work for the expansion franchise at the time, LAFC of the MLS. And so why was that the right opportunity for you? Yeah, think about this. The, the Cavs were a serious championship contender in the NBA. Um, in fact, they, they won the NBA championship that next year. Um, and I left for a startup MLS team on the other side of the country. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you kind of got back to the Midwest being from Michigan and it's like, yeah. Hey, I'm going to uproot my life. Right. And I didn't know anything about California. Um, it was great. Like on paper, it was a crazy thing to do. Um, they didn't have a team name yet. They didn't have a brand, a player, a real office, nothing. It was basically an idea um, on top of that you know, moving to California and I didn't, I didn't really like soccer. I didn't know anything about soccer. Definitely not a favorite sport of mine, but um, two things happened. First, I trusted Corey, right? Like I I probably wouldn't have taken the call if it wasn't him. Um, It was an engagement with legends. I knew they had a strong reputation, Um, but Corey had already proved to me that he had my best interest in mind um, from the time we worked together in Atlanta. The second thing is he flew me out to, to go check out the situation and introduced me to a few folks. And one of those people was, was a guy named Rich Orozco. And Rich's title at the time was like a consultant, um, but he was really the visionary that created the story of LAFC. And, and uh, we sat down for about 30 minutes. He walked me through the brand brief and absolutely blown away. He had created a story that I knew I could sell. And I knew I could build a sales team that could, could sell this story. And, and he basically described to me in those 30 minutes what LAFC actually is today. And we were going to create premium amenities that rival the best stadiums and arenas in the world. And we were going to sell suites for $100,000 for 17 MLS games, right, which right. unheard of. Unheard of, yeah. But more importantly, we were going to unite the world city through the world's game. Like we had all these like rally cries. And basically by the end of our conversation, um, you know, I felt like one of the first people that was introduced to Bitcoin back in <laughs> like t- 2010, right? Like, yeah. like I, I would get to help build out this team and the build strategy it. and the process from scratch. And, and by the time people realized how cool it was, it would already be sold out. Yep. So it was just a kind of a leap of faith and, and I'm really glad I did it. No, we're certainly going to get to, you know, kind of the blueprint that, that you and, and the team laid out to have so much success. But real quick advice for the listeners out there. We kind of talked about it. You, you grew up in the Midwest. You finally you stayed on the East Coast. You finally got back to the Midwest, working for a fun, good team with great people. Like, what's your advice to listeners on just being willing to, like, make that move or being willing to, like, take a little bit of a risk? 
yeah, I, I, a lot of people are really comfortable um, in, in their familiarity and where they live and, and geography. And, and to, if that's the most important thing, that's great. For me, it wasn't. I, I wanted to grow and I wanted to learn from the best. And that required moving a little bit. And But the other piece I'd say is I never took a job um, thinking it was a stepping stone, thinking that I wasn't going to be there long. I, I always took an opportunity that I could see myself doing long term. And then if someone else reaches out, um, you know, it would have to be another perfect opportunity. And, and it just kind of lined up that way for me. But um, understanding your priorities and what's important to you. And that's where for me, like you, you touch on it so many times, if there's somebody that's going to invest in you and grow you and, and what you want is growth, that's probably a really good opportunity for you. No, oh, absolutely. Hit the nail on the head. So you're know, going back, that's you're back in in L.A., you know, and we're looking at the year 2015 franchise just recently gets awarded. You've already mentioned they don't even have a team name. You don't have an office. The first match wasn't until 2018. Uh, so how is that experience from multiple ends, both from a selling a team that didn't have matches, didn't have people, didn't have players, but also recruiting talent to sell for kind of that idea? Yeah. Like I said, we had an incredible story. Um, we just had to find people that would listen to us. So we, we had about two and a half years to sell out the stadium, but we didn't have a database, right? There weren't any single game buyers that we could just start reaching out to. We had to get very gritty and strategically start reaching out to the market. We would go to English Premier League watch parties at 4 a.m. in L.A., Right, because those people would understand the vision. Yeah, they're passionate. So we, would, we would go to different community events all over town and, and just start talking to people. Um, you know, our motto it was street by street, block by block, one by one. That's the approach we took. Um, and but I'd say like finding talent was easy. We, we we held a recruiting combine. Same process we'd always do as an inside sales manager. Yep. Um, identified people that were coachable, understood the value of work ethic. Um, we knew we could teach the rest. The pitch was that they were going to be a part of something bigger than themselves. Like they were going to help grow the sport of soccer in America. And, yeah. you know, I bet if you asked any one of them, they could look back and I'm sure they're grateful that they, that they jumped a, a part of that original group that came in there. You know, it's such a cool experience. You know, at the time I was at team Bows, So I, I spent some time out there with you guys and, and really immersing myself with, within your sales process. I mean, you guys had a very thorough cadence, the preview center and, and, you know, that, that process that everybody stuck to was so important, but along those lines, you also were part of that leadership team that's building and launching of a brand. So I'm sure you're a part of some pretty fun meetings of building and launching the brand, the, the new stadium. Were there any that stood out to you? Early on meetings. Um, yeah. Looking back, it was a blast. There, there was a really awesome group of characters that, with that first there were 10 of us or so in a room. Um, we'd have these weekly all staff meetings where we'd sit around at a table and everyone would go around and, and give updates about success stories of the week and what each person is working on. Anything from updates from the architects or the formation of the academy or, or meetings with politicians to, to make sure everything gets approved. Um, or we're going to start a human resources department, like stuff like that. Um, you know, we were all in it together. There, there truly weren't any silos and we were all in this kitchen trying to get this thing off the ground. And then as the staff grew, we kept doing those meetings. So eventually with over a hundred people in the room, 
um, it was great. Like imagine like a, a sports team now having, you know, your general managers giving you a, an update, truly behind the scenes update on what's going on with all the players. Right. And then, you know, the sales gives their updates to everybody on, on that kind of platform. I hope they still do those. I, I think that made, you know, the LAFC experience really unique is the type of tight knit, really internal bond that we created. That everything came together. And now Spencer, you, you sold the team, you know, first it was the idea and then ultimately the team for two and a half years. And then ironically enough, your last day with LAFC was the first home match ever, you know, the inaugural, the inaugural match. So how surreal was that experience for you? Just knowing that it, when you first interviewed, it was like, I think this is coming to fruition, but. Yeah. Yeah. It, it felt like a dream. You know, that it was incredible. We, we started selling an idea of renderings and blueprints and, everything turned out exactly like we said it would, or at least how I was told it would, which, yep. you know, we, we went and told everybody. I made the joke at that home opener that I think all of our fans had Stockholm syndrome because it's like we pretty much talked it into being what it became. And the supporter section was incredible. Like if anybody watching it, like if you're ever in Los Angeles during soccer season, you have to go to an LAFC game. Like the atmosphere, the entire experience, it's unlike anything – you'll ever go to, you know, the, the closest thing you can compare it to is like some of the rowdiest student sections at, <coughs> excuse me, division one basketball games, Top colleges, like, except these are adults that <laughs> they know they're as much a part of it. The club is like the players on the pitch, right? Like yeah, a bunch yeah. of them had LAFC tattoos way before, before the first match. Um, so yeah, incredible experience. You still have yours, right? Yeah. Yeah. We don't <laughs> talk about that. But. <laughs> No, that's awesome. And, and so, you know, Spencer, what a surreal experience. And then you stay in LA, you know, kind of within that legends brand with another new project. And this time it's with the LA chargers as they were trans transitioning to a new stadium, the SoFi stadium, as well as transitioning from San Diego. And so how was that experience for you? Uh, it, it was similar in some ways, right? Yep. Like new, new stadium project and, and building a fan base, no real database to start with, but there were a lot of differences as well. It was much bigger scale. Um, already, a, a, there was already an established brand, like the Chargers brand. People knew what the Chargers were. Right. Um, we we just we were trying to change that perception. Most of the people we spoke with still called them the San Diego Chargers. Yep. Um, but like as you know, like there's there's some built-in interest that comes with the NFL. So it was scaling things up uh, in a much quicker timeline. You know, and, and both of those stops in LA it was a lot about the people, which is again, the, one of those constant themes of this podcast, you know, today and every episode. So as, as you think back and you've always focused a lot on people, both recruiting and, and ultimately interviewing, hiring the best people, but then onboarding training and develop them. What are some of the key characteristics you're always looking for in the most successful people, no matter what role you're hiring for? Yeah, it's easier than done, but work ethic and coachability, right? Like if you can, uh, learn and apply with frequency, then we'll teach you the rest. But I mean, there's, there's all sorts of, we look for intrinsic characteristics that, um, that people possess that we can't teach, like the ability to battle through adversity. Um, you know, somebody that has motivation, drive, purpose, um, ultimately passion for your craft. Like, you know, that basically giving you the answers to the test, but yep. it's easier said than done. No, absolutely. Well, after a year with the Chargers, you end up getting a call back to, to head home to the home state of Michigan as the VP of ticket sales and service to the Detroit Red Wings. And so 
Was it always a dream of yours to kind of get back into, you know, the state that you grew up in? No, it was not. Um, I, I didn't think I would ever come back to Michigan. Um, but I also didn't realize how much better Detroit was than when I grew up in right. Michigan. It doesn't do a very good job marketing itself. Um, but it, it really goes back to surrounding yourself with good people. Like I came out here because I had an opportunity to work with Dave Baldwin and Chris Granger, two names a lot of people recognize in this industry. Both have proven track records, success, growing people. Um, you know, they push you and challenge you, yep. uh, but you're going to be better off because of it. You know, I was, I wanted something like that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so now you, you spent nearly three years with the organization already, which is certainly time flies. And, and obviously you, you started and, and spent a lot of time through this crazy pandemic. And so looking back the last three years, how's the experience been thus far for you? been incredible illich sports entertainment is much bigger than just the red wings so there's the detroit tigers Fox theater several concert venues and more um, both teams iconic brands with an extremely supportive fan base um, the, the pandemic was tough right just like any other team had to deal with but we're, we're coming out of it stronger than we were before march 2020 no absolutely you know, throughout your career, Spencer, you've continued to focus on people and process, which always has driven results and, and top, top level results. But have you had to make any changes? And I'm sure you get this question a lot, right? From selling basketball to then soccer to football to now hockey. No, I, the process remains the same. And with great people, you can, you can accomplish anything. Like the legend saying it's people, process, execution. Yep. Like go get the right people, apply the process. You change different words, yep. right? Like if you're talking about hockey instead of baseball, but it's the same, like you're, you're selling the experience either way. And I, you know, I know as I was growing you throughout this podcast, so I felt like I had to give you that softball question, and, but you're absolutely right. Like it's, you know, we, we always hear it. If you've worked for multiple teams, what's the biggest difference? Like nothing. Like the X's and O's are the same to your point, the people in process, it certainly is going to equal productivity. And so, you know, as, as you look back, you know, through your time here with the Red Wings and more importantly with Illich Sports, like as you think about some of the most successful people and the top leaders, what do you feel like they're bringing to the table each and every day? Um, dedication. You know, they're, they're committed. You know, some of the top leaders out there, they want what's best for everybody. Yep. And, and it's not a selfish way. It's, it's truly adopt the mentality that, you know, it, it takes a village and, and we're all in this together. Um, they're, they're dedicated to this. Like the best leaders aren't just going home and expecting, you know, the rest of the, the group to take care of, of the problems at hand, right. um, hoping that we make some sales today, right? They're, they're putting in processes um, and, and a plan three months in advance to put everyone in the best position to be successful and, and to always be thinking, you know, 90 days ahead at a minimum. You know, that, I think that's what makes some of the best leaders out there who they are. And I love what you said, like a 90 days at a minimum, right? Like I think a lot of people think from a leadership end and it's maybe nine days at the, at the, at the most, right? So it's like, how do you continue to have that hat on from a 30,000 feet view, still willing to roll up your sleeves and, and get after it, but think proactively. And Spencer, ton of great advice. It's always been fun catching up. As you look back at your tired career, What's been your best memory? Um, you know, you always remember the, those first, like 
I, I could say I probably remember each of my sales reps' first sales, and yep. it never gets old. There, there's, there's one. So Mike Liner, and I've worked with him. I've worked with him now, um, but back at LAFC, he, his first sale was what I, I call a sketchy sale. Like it was, <laughs> it was a cash transaction. Nice. And, and we knew we shouldn't take it, but um, he just needed to get on the board. It was one of those like we don't take cash, but. Mike's been working really hard. We're going to take it this time. Yeah, we could use a spark. <laughs> um, you know, we'll take it. And, and it was a really long pitch at the office. It was a loge box um, that we sold off of a rendering. And we were the last ones in there with the stack of cash. And we high-fived. And then it was a Friday night. So I, I left. I, I pulled my car out of the garage to head home. And he called me right back because uh, he had someone else on the hook. And you know, I, I came back around and he was already closing them. They wanted to buy two loge boxes. So the $40,000, except this guy just wanted to process it all on one credit card. And we just processed <laughs> no the $40,000 payment through credit card. Um, just the two of us in the office were yelling and chest bumping and That's uh, awesome. simply hung up. And, um, you know, his confidence went up through the roof and never looked back. But it was a really fun Friday night in the office. You know, and that's, and that's your point of, of who you are as, as a leader, right? You, you care so much about your people. Like, yeah, you're going to have to put a little bit longer days or longer evenings in, but you know, it's all about the people and that your best memory is about people. Um, so Spencer, ton of great advice. Always fun to, to hear about your journey and your great stop. So to close it out, I like to put our guests on the hustle hot seat. So you ready for this? Yes. If you could have any actor play you in a movie, who would it be? The guy that played Dexter. I don't know his name. I don't know the name either, but all right. What is a clothing style trend that you would like to bring back? Uh, suit shorts, like the ones the NBA players wore in, in the playoffs a few years ago. <laughs> nice. If you could play any type of game, what would it be? Dice. Love dice. Love a good game of dice. So to close it out, what are three key takeaways you would give every listener to be in your shoes one day? Uh, surround yourself by good people. Find, find a leader that's going to invest in you. Um, two would be, you know, render more services than you're paid for. Eventually it'll pay off. Um, and finally, you know, this career path is very rewarding, but it's, it's not for everyone. You know, for several years, I averaged 60 hour work weeks. Like hustle is heaven if you're a hustler, but it's hell if you're not. And I, and I think that goes back to the purpose of this podcast. Like it, it all comes down to hustle. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, great advice, great advice throughout the whole podcast, Spencer, like focus on people. I, I love your, your opportunity and your idea about, you know, just doing a little bit more, you know, maybe your job description, your responsibilities, your title doesn't show it, but it's going to pay off. And it is, it's hustle, it's hustle your way to success. And so Spencer, thank you so much. You've certainly had a great career, pleasure talking to you. And I certainly appreciate your time, expertise and our friendship. Thanks, Travis. Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle. Please be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week.